up, everybody? Welcome back to the rest of season rankings fantasy football podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, and I'm joined by Bart Wheeler. And we've been doing a lot of baseball pods lately, but you might have noticed that the NFL had a little draft uh, over the weekend. And we are having a little draft of our own in our Dynasty League, which Bart is a new member of. Uh, it's a it's a league of fantasy pros, writers, past and present, and then Bart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I, how are you enjoying the league so far, Bart? Oh, I'm I'm loving it. This this slow draft it's a it's a new thing for me. I've been wanting to get into Dynasty for a little while, and it's a Dynasty Superflex, so a little added component there as well as I know a lot of Dynasty leagues are. Um, so we're through the first round. We're making our way through the second round, almost uh, through the second round here on uh, Monday night. So we'll see. Maybe we'll have another pick or two while we're talking here uh, that we can talk about. <laughs> yeah, and is this your first slow draft that you've ever done before? Um, yeah, I mean, if you don't count the live drafts that I am in that take six hours, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's my first actual slow draft. <laughs> yeah, I love slow drafts so much. It's kind of, I mean, yeah. I, I like a real-time Yahoo traditional kind of draft, too. I mean, there's there's a certain skill set involved in that mm-hmm. uh, that I, I feel like I'm pretty good at. So I just like that um, for some leagues that I do, and my redraft leagues are all like that. But for Dynasty, you know, it's... It, it's just there's so much research to do and it's fun that like it's you know our draft started uh before the actual nfl draft had even ended and yep. um but but because people get eight hours per pick uh most of them happen a lot sooner than that but uh you know this is a, a process that will play out over a couple weeks rather than a couple days uh which is fun it just gives us something to do and think about um, but hopefully we can uh, just use that as a jumping off point today to talk about all the players uh, in this draft and what uh, a Superflex uh, Dynasty draft might look like for our listeners if they haven't drafted yet. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think this is fun, man. I'm just ready to get started. How about you? <laughs> yeah, let's get right into it. Let's, uh, let's talk about who was picked at the 1.01 and that was uh your partner from last year with all the part with all the podcasts you were doing with uh Lauren she has the number 1 pick and she took Brees Hall which was not a surprise in fact i think a lot of the the top picks in our first round were not much of a surprise i think if you're out there doing a rookie draft right now i would say 9 times out of 10 or maybe more than that Brees Hall is probably the number 1 uh super flex or not so no no surprise there he was the first running back taken in the draft and you know the jets of course, I have Michael Carter on this team, so that was a little bit of a disappointment for me because, you know, that lowers him a little bit. But, you know, Michael Carter was, was good at UNC with Javante Williams sort of in that thunder and lightning role. So I'm I'm not, like, totally down on Michael Carter. I definitely will move him down a bit in redraft and, of course, in Dynasty as well. But I, I'm, I'm okay with Michael Carter still as he, he may even become a value guy. But Brees Hall is definitely exciting at that 1.01. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the Jets say they want to use... Hall and Carter as a one-two punch, which is just what you would expect. Uh, I I do think this takes a pretty big dent out of Carter. I'm sorry to to say, um, it, it, if it's a one-two punch, we know who the one is going to be. I think, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, absolutely in that equation. Um, but you know, this was not a landing spot that I think many people envisioned for Brees Hall. There was a lot of talk about maybe him going to Buffalo or something like that, but ends mm-hmm. up at a different team in the same division. Um, you know, I with a player like Brees Hall, landing spot is not that huge a deal unless he was behind like 
Derrick Henry or something where it's like, okay, <laughs> he's not going to play. Uh, but that, right. you know, he, he was the first running back taken in this draft. He, he wasn't, it wasn't first round draft capital, which is interesting because you do oftentimes in past seasons see the top running back on the board go off kind of late in the first. Cause it's like a luxury pick for a team that was like a Super Bowl contender and they kind of are loaded all the way across the board. So they could just like what we saw with the chiefs when they took Clyde Edwards Hilaire, it was just sort of like, we, yep. we can do this because we have everything else, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But that didn't happen this year. It was early second round for Brees Hall. You know, there's some hot take warriors out there on Twitter saying, like, he's not – not only is he not the 1-1, but he shouldn't even be in the top five picks or things like that. But I think the consensus, like you said, is pretty clear. He's a special player. Um, watching his tape, I, I, I must admit I wasn't quite as, like, enthralled as some people, but – I still think the upside is immense for this guy, and and he does have that three down uh, ability and talent. So, um, and the Jets, for all their warts, I mean, they are a team that tends to be able to run the ball decently well. I mean, we've seen some pretty uh, mediocre players on that team uh, put up some some good rushing games uh, from time to time. So, uh, it seems like the Jets are not nearly as as bad at landing spot. Um, team context wise as they might have been in past seasons oh absolutely and I mean the Jets had a had a really good draft I mean a lot of people were coming away you know saying the Jets had a great draft and you know I would agree they got you know Sauce Gardner and uh, Garrett Wilson they got Jermaine Johnson way later uh, you know at defensive end people thought he was going to be like that they might even take him with one of their like a top 10 pick so they got they ended up trading back up and getting him so Jets had a good draft um yeah, I'm excited about you know Brees Hall if you're able to get him, but I was not able to get him. I had the number two pick, and uh, um, I you know I, I debated it a little bit um, whether or not I would go with maybe the other kind of top running back. I did consider uh, him. We'll talk about it in a minute, but I went with uh, Drake London, <clears throat> uh, who went in the let's see, was he? I know he was a top ten pick. What did Atlanta have the number eight, eight overall yep. pick? So you know he was the first wide receiver off the board. The guy's 20 years old, can't even legally drink yet. So in a dynasty league, you like to see the youth. Um, he dealt with an injury last year, um, but when he when he played, he was very productive. Uh, I just look at like what he can do with the opportunity right away, and you know, long term, hopefully in Atlanta. Uh, right now, with Calvin Ridley on a one year suspension, or really an, an indefinite suspension, let's say we know he's at least out this season. Um, we may never see him in a Falcon uniform again. So. Taking him off the off the board, I mean, their wide receiver room is pretty thin right now. Uh, Olamide Zacchaeus, I think, maybe is who's left after Russell Gage went to Tampa Bay. And obviously Kyle Pitts is there, and he's basically a receiver. He'll probably be their number one receiver. But I think Drake London could be their number one receiver in his rookie year. So I was happy to get him. I like the youth. I like the opportunity. Um, I like the draft capital. He checks a lot of boxes. So um, I don't know if it was a safe pick or, or what, but he made the most sense to me at number two. It's who I would have taken too, to be honest with you. Um, so I like the pick. Um, I, you know, maybe maybe the maybe the Falcons need to put Cordero Patterson back at wide receiver because they are lacking <laughs> yeah. some depth there. Although their running back room is not loaded either. Uh, and they just cut Mike Davis. Yeah, yeah. This is just a team that is really. I don't know. It's kind of hard to know where they're going. I know you're. We'll get to it later. You're you're, you're doubling down on your uh, Falcons uh, in this draft, but. 
Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, Drake London, I just, I I watched his tape against Notre Dame last season and I just like fell in love. Uh, I mean, he looked like Cooper Cup to me. Like he was doing all of the things that Cooper Cup can do. Uh, He's two inches taller than Cooper Cup. But other than that, it looked like a clone. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, you know, with a player like Cooper Cup, he's only part of the reason he's so great is because he's used uh, in such a great way uh, by the Rams and by Sean McVay. So we need Drake London to be used uh, to maximize his ability. But, um, you know, there's other there's other players in this draft class who uh, might be faster or, uh, you know, have a, a more more freak of nature athletically, I guess you could say, um, you know, his his metrics like weren't, you know, at the combine didn't really jump out. I mean, he didn't even do the 40 and the speed score, but like, you know, his vertical and things like that were not uh, not particularly high. But I just think this is a gamer. This is a guy you just watch what he does on the field. And it's it's so impressive. And, uh, you know, player profiler says his best comparable is Marquez Colston. I, I think he can be better than that, honestly. And that's no no. Uh, shame either because Colston was a very good player for a, for a number of years, but um, he was. But yeah, I just I, I really like London. I just it's going to come down, of course, to quarterback play and um, whether you know whether it's Marcus Mariota or it's uh, Ritter, who we'll get to a little bit later. You know that wide receivers are only as good as the quarterbacks that throw them the ball. So you hope, uh, looking at it long term, you just hope that whether it's someone on the roster or not that. The Falcons um, figure out that that uh, that quarterback situation sooner rather than later. I mean, this guy um, London is—he's so young; he's still not even 21 years old yet. So uh, he's going to have a very long and productive career. And I, I don't believe in overrating um, team context with wide receivers because they they do have that long career, and their situations mm-hmm. can change so many times over over the course of that career. So. Um, he is my number one wide receiver in this class as well, and I like the pick. Well, you mentioned Marcus Colston, and he, he quarterback does matter because he had Drew Brees thrown to him for many years. True. And London won't have that, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about him. Um, well, who's who's your number two receiver off the board? Is it the guy who went, you know, number three in our? It draft actually is, no? yeah. And I know there's not consensus around any of this. Really, I think people are generally uh, saying there's five wide receivers. I think that um, yeah. could go number one overall, uh, or at least three main contenders, I would say, uh, or four, really. Um, but the guy that I like uh, as after after Drake London is uh, Traylon Burks, and he is the player that went uh, with the third pick in this draft. Um, we had a spicy trade in this draft, by the way. <laughs> we had the 1-1 one <laughs> oh, one right. was traded for the 1-3 and the 1-5. Uh, so uh, basically that trade ended up being Brees Hall for Traylon Burks and Kenny Pickett, which is interesting in a super flex That's league. right. I forgot. It wasn't Lauren who took it. It was Ethan. <laughs> that's right, because they, they made the trade. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Lauren took Traylon Burks. I know she loves uh, the Titans. She she loves Ryan Tannehill. I love Ryan Tannehill, too. I, I think of all the rookie wide receivers, I think Traylon Burks walks into the best situation, even though – you know, the Titans are not a pass-happy team. They have a very narrow target tree, and A.J. Mm-hmm. Brown hogged most of that target tree before, yep. and now he's gone. I know Robert Woods is is going to 
play a pretty sizable role. I think they're probably hoping that Robert Woods can give them what they wanted to get from Julio Jones last season. Um, but, you know, that to me suggests also that they do want to uh, pass the ball a little bit more than they did in the past. And they weren't really able to do that last year because Julio Jones could not stay healthy. And we'll have to see if Robert Woods can stay healthy. He's coming off of an injury-plagued season himself. But um, yeah. but I think that having Robert Woods there is actually a good thing for Traylon Burks. It, makes, it puts a little less pressure on him to immediately be the man, especially when a guy like A.J. Brown just left and people are drawing comparisons between Burks and and AJ Brown. I mean, that's not that's not really fair. I mean, there's there's only one AJ Brown, and no one else in the league is like AJ Brown. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But I have to say, watching the tape of Traylon Burks, I was very impressed with his physical ability. I mean, he's a big guy, six two, two twenty four. He can go up and get the ball, um, and he's really fast. Um, so yeah, I, I I like the pick a lot. I think it's a great situation to go to in Tennessee. And he would be my wide receiver, too, in this class. Yeah, I think he would be my wide receiver, too, as well. Although, admittedly, some of that's like his, the destination, you know, that he's that he's going, what he's going into. Um, admittedly, I, I watch more of, you know, teams like Ohio State and Alabama, you know, when I'm just like casually watching football. So I saw some more of those receivers who we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, just going to going to Tennessee, like Robert Woods, he, you know, he tore his ACL back in November. He should be fine, I would think, to start the season. But at age thirty, you know, he might, you know, he might not be fully healthy, and it, it, the opportunity is definitely there more so even than in like, like with the Jets when we get to talk about Garrett Wilson. So, um, yeah, I think if I had that pick, I would have taken him as well. Although, I, w- I certainly would have considered uh, Ken. Don't call me Kenneth Walker, who is the uh, you know the number two, pretty much the consensus number two uh, running back. In, in mock drafts and he went he went four I'm not jumping ahead of him am I he went number four yeah, he did in ours as well so Seattle drafted him and I think for me I I even considered him at number two honestly like I, I was looking right there I mean for me I, my running back situation was a little bit better and I think for dynasty I was looking at Drake London as someone who's who's younger you know could probably be a great receiver for 10 years whereas Ken Walker I mean like he may or may not be a good running back, but running back longevity too, like, you know, it's it's not a given. And it's, I think the writing is kind of on the wall for Chris Carson there and his health. Um, wish the guy all the best, but I, do you, do you have him in, I in do. our league? Yeah. So if you took a hit with Michael Carter with the Brees Hall selection, <laughs> I, I definitely, I mean, maybe the hit was already going to come anyway yeah. with Chris Carson uh, and I just didn't know it yet, but right. um, it's definitely not a good sign for him. Uh, although, We'll see. I, you know, the the thing about this stuff is like fantasy football is full of surprises. So, if Chris Carson can actually recover and, and get on the field, the one thing I will say about the Seahawks is they're going to just play the best guy. You know, they're not they're yeah. not tied to draft capital. I mean, we already went down this road with Chris Carson versus Rashad Penny, and everyone and I was a Carson guy for the record, and everyone else. I mean, not everyone, but the vast majority of people were saying that Carson was nothing because because uh penny was the first round pick and yep. it took penny i mean it took carson being injured for penny to to get playing time because carson was the better player um, when they were both on the field and that was true for several years you know so 
we'll have to see with the Seahawks. I mean, this is a run-first team. Pete Carroll loves to run the ball. We know that. Uh, he didn't want to let Russ cook, and now he kicked Russ out of the kitchen completely. So uh, <laughs> this team, the problem is I think their entire offense could be kind of uninspiring and struggle to score points, yeah. which is a big problem for, for Kenneth Walker because that's what you're really paying for with him is you want touchdown equity because he's not a pass catcher, you know. So I don't know. I like I kind of could go either way on this. I, I Like I like – the player, even though he went to Michigan State, and I'm a Michigan guy, <laughs> so I kind of don't like the player in that sense. But, um, but no, I mean, I think it's generally speaking, you want a running back in Seattle. That's a good place to be. Um, I just think without Russell Wilson there, it could be a different Seattle than we've seen in the past. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on, especially if the carries end up getting split pretty evenly between Penny and Walker, or if Carson does somehow make it back, it could be a pretty messy committee. Yeah, I'm I'm like you. I was big on Chris Carson last year. I was really disappointed, you know, when he went down. I I had him in two leagues, and that was just really disappointing. I feel like I, he was even a guy I was talking up in the preseason. So that was a big hit for a lot of reasons. But yeah, with with running backs, draft capital capital often doesn't matter. I mean, look what we saw in San Francisco last year. You know, they they drafted Trey Sermon and Eli Mitchell, and Mitchell just won the job and just never looked back. And a lot of coaches will just look at running back as kind of this replaceable chess piece. And it's like, look, if you're good, you're good and you're in. And with Rashad Penny, you know, for looking at Dynasty, I mean, he's on a one, they brought him back on a one year kind of a prove it deal. You know, he's, he's dealt with some injuries as well. And so Walker's going into a situation where if Carson isn't healthy and Penny's on a one year deal, Walker could just like take the job. Or even if he doesn't, he might have that opportunity in 2023 and beyond to be like, a workhorse three down running back for like at least three solid seasons in his rookie deal. So I like that opportunity. I I think he's worth taking high in rookie drafts. I agree. I I was kind of playing devil's advocate more than anything. Yeah. I think for me, it's just, it's more of a philosophical discussion when it comes to running backs versus wide receivers. It's just what stage of your, uh, your contention window are you in, you know, because these running backs have a short shelf life. I mean, he's a physical runner. He's a between the tackles guy. He's going to get a lot of wear and tear. You know, he's probably one of these players that isn't going to be re-signed when his rookie contract runs out. You know, they're going to they're going right. to plug him in and get that value while he's on his rookie deal. And then uh, if he's really good, he'll probably sign in free agency somewhere else. But we've seen with many running backs that the the second contract doesn't end up being a great uh, phase of the career for those those running backs, you know. So I think he's like a player that if you are built to win now and you are and you need a running back, uh, he's a great pick. But if you're more in a rebuild and you're looking long-term, uh, I would prefer a wide receiver uh, in that spot. And I, that's probably why you took Drake London over him, I'm guessing. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, we're talking super flex here. So the next pick on the board – uh, or that went in our draft was Kenny Pickett, a quarter, the first quarterback taken in the draft, the first one in our in our uh, dynasty draft. And you know, leading up to the draft, it's funny how the difference a day can make when the draft, the actual NFL draft happens. Because I thought for sure, like Malik Willis would go to Pittsburgh. I thought they were going to take him, even just watching the coverage there. And sure enough, they took Pickett. And I thought that it was going to be sort of like a decision with my number two pick between Brees Hall and Malik Willis. Whoever fell to me, I'd probably take him, and then. Malik Willis fell far and just, you know, ended up going to Tennessee. And so here's Pickett with the shot. You know, your guy Trubisky, who you ended up getting, uh, you know, making a trade in our league, which was a really good trade. Um, 
I didn't really have too much faith in him. Still, still to be seen. But once they took Pickett, I'm kind of like, okay, Pickett should have a chance at least sooner than later. I, I don't think that they're gonna, unless Trubisky just really shines, um, and maybe Pittsburgh is winning some games. I think Pickett will get his shot this year, but probably Trubisky will be the week one starter. Yeah, we'll see. I, I'm not as convinced on that as you are. I think that Trubisky is still a pretty young guy, and he was a top overall pick himself um, mm-hmm. back in the day. So, you know, the Bears, <laughs> you know, can ruin a, a player's uh, uh, career, and uh, he didn't really have a great setup um, there in Chicago. So I'm curious to see. I think this is going to be a true competition uh, from day one in, of training camp between these two guys and the better man's going to win that competition. Uh, I think it's interesting to me that the Steelers chose to draft Kenny Pickett over Malik Willis because there was a lot of smoke around the Pittsburgh Steelers and Malik Willis. Um, oh yeah. Maybe that um. was a, a, a smoke screen as it turned out. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I also think it's interesting because most of the teams in this draft, most of the NFL teams decided that this quarterback class was not worth using a first round pick on. And even if they needed quarterback desperately, they just kind of sat and waited for the, the quarterback value to come to them. Pittsburgh mm-hmm. was the one exception to that. And I wonder if there's a little bit of desperation in that, you know? Um, I also think the fact that they took Pickett, who's the more polished guy, as opposed to Willis, who's the uh, high upside developmental kind of guy is is a strange move to me as well when they just brought in Mitch Trubisky because it feels like Trubisky can definitely be a adequate starter for the meantime if you want to try to develop Willis you know to bring in another guy who's like best attribute might be that he's ready to go right on day one like Pickett it doesn't complement uh Trubisky as well as Willis would have in my opinion so I'm, I think that Steelers kind of did themselves a little bit of disservice. We'll see how good Pickett ends up being. But I, I just look at it, and I don't see a scenario where Kenny Pickett is going to be uh, the answer for the Steelers in terms of competing with Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow and Lamar <laughs> Jackson in this division. I just think um, I would have, if I were them, I would have gone for the more upside quarterback in Willis, and they clearly could have waited a while to do it too. Yeah, I mean, you said it. That that's kind of what tells me that Pickett is more ready. That I think they will give him a shot, but it, it's going to depend on how the season plays out. Like I said, I do think Trubisky will be the Week One starter, and you know Pittsburgh. I mean, it's a tough division. Uh, I watch a lot. My wife's a Ravens fan. I watch a ton of Ravens games. I watch every Ravens Steelers game for sure. And those games, it's like every year, no matter if one team is great and the other one's not so great, they seem to split. You know, and it's yeah. just it's a great division. Um, Steelers, we were talking before we started, and I, I would agree that like the Steelers are probably the odds-on favorite to be the worst in that division. Um, but that's not necessarily how it'll play out. It, all, it doesn't always play out how you think it is, how how you think it will. I mean, yeah, well, I would imagine the Bengals were probably the worst, you know, the odds-on to be the fourth in the division last year. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, no, that's know. true. The NFL is is always unpredictable. But let me ask you this though, from a superflex perspective. Uh, I mean, I think any quarterback that goes in the first round of the NFL draft is worth a first-round pick um, in in a super flex dynasty draft, rookie draft. But um, in terms of where he went, I mean, I I think there's some there's some debate about that. I've seen some people that have Pickett going as high as like number two overall, um, and then there's 
others who have him more down around like nine or 10, honestly. Um, I'm kind of in the middle, but I'm a little closer to the nine or 10 to be, to be uh, clear about it because I think there's like, I would take Garrett Wilson uh, ahead of Kenny Pickett and I might take a ahead of Pickett as well. I could even see taking Jamison Williams ahead of Pickett. So, yep. you know, I like, those are all top graded prospects who with a lot of upside and I just I don't know how much upside Kenny Pickett has he feels to me more like a you know just sort of a a lower end starter who can in fantasy uh, we'll see I mean you know last year Mac Jones was going at the very end of first round uh first round of dynasty draft rookie drafts and um or even the early second round and I don't know if Kenny Pickett is a better fantasy <laughs> prospect than Mac Jones. Yeah. Well, we made it all the way through and didn't talk about his tiny hands. And there, I mentioned it. Oh, now we did. <laughs> well, there you go. You ruined it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, everyone everyone knows that whole story. And But, you know, this whole this whole draft class, and, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about a couple more quarterbacks. But, yeah, I mean, it's are any of them going to be any good? Maybe not. We could just have a draft class where none of them pan out. Um, and there's a reason why they all fell. It's kind of but, the direction I'm leaning at this point. But at yeah. the same time, like if you need quarterback, it, yeah, you know, exactly. it's very hard it's to get quarterbacks. And Pickett, like you said, he's one way or another, he'll get a shot. If it's not, if Mitch Trubisky lights the world on fire and, and runs away with the job, then they'll just trade him to somebody else that needs a quarterback. Like at some point, Kenny Pickett is going to get an extended audition to be an NFL quarterback and he'll sink or swim. Yeah, I think I think it is about team need. Like if you're if you're sitting there at three or four and you really are thin at quarterback, then take Kenny Pickett. But if you have say three quarterbacks who are all pretty much starters, then yeah, I would take one of those receivers like you're talking about. Yeah. And Garrett Wilson was the next on our list, I believe, at the number six. Are we now yep, at one yeah, six. The, yeah, one six. So Garrett Wilson, who got drafted by the Jets, you know, I was kind of hoping he would go. Uh, I don't know, maybe somewhere else. I, I don't have a whole... We were talking earlier, too, about Zach Wilson. I don't have a ton of faith in Zach Wilson. Ever since he got drafted, I just... To me, it's just like a gut feeling when I look at Zach Wilson. It's not even about watching him play because rookies can struggle and rookies can get better. It's fine. It's To me, I just look at that guy and I'm like, how is this guy leading men in a locker room? I just have a hard time looking at Zach Wilson and thinking this is going to be an NFL quarterback for years to come. And, you know, they have... Uh, just looking at their depth chart, I mean, they have Corey Davis, they have Elijah Moore, who really broke out last year. Uh, they re-signed Braxton Berrios, who's a good slot guy. Denzel Mims has never really, you know, amounted to much, but I think he's still hanging around there as far as I know. But not that he's a big threat to Garrett Wilson, but, you know, Garrett Wilson doesn't have the opportunity like uh, Burks and, and London, these guys who we've talked about. And I think some guys like maybe even his teammate Olave might have even more opportunity um, with the Saints, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would necessarily draft Olave first, but I was kind of. I don't know. I like the I like the placement there with with New Orleans better than the Jets. Yeah, but I really wouldn't. I, I would caution against like overvaluing the landing spot when it comes to receivers because, like I said, um, it's a long process <laughs> with with these guys uh, in terms of, um, you know, what their team context can be. And I mean, look at 
all the movement of wide receivers we've seen in the trade market recently. You know, I mean, these guys who are just nearing the end of their first contract are getting moved and they're going to have a whole nother phase of their career on a different team. Um, So it's kind of these receivers have long careers, you know, and I think I believe in the player Garrett Wilson. I think he's a better he's a better talent than um, Alave is. And for that reason, I would rank him higher. Um, But, uh, you know, I would both of them. I mean, we're talking about first round capital that were spent on these wide receivers. So like all of these guys were the NFL teams think highly of these guys. And I think Mm -hmm. that speaks a lot to their value. I mean, I, I just, um, I don't know. I, I sort of trust, uh, I think once you get the first round capital that first round draft capital, then it's sort of like from a fantasy perspective, like you pick your guy, you know what I mean? Like it's the, the NFL teams all like these guys a lot. So then it becomes what kind of prospect do you like the best? And, um, you know, for me personally, I tend to like the bigger, more physical wide receivers the most, which is why I like London and Burks the most in this class. But, um, Wilson is also a pretty impressive, um, physical talent. Um, you know, his, his, based on his, his workout metrics, the com the combo, uh, comparison on player profilers to Jerry Judy, but, um, I've also heard comparisons to Odell Beckham as well with him. So, uh, there's just a lot of freakish talent, um, that he possesses. And, um, even though I'm not totally sold on Zach Wilson, I, I feel like he has, um, he, he still has breakout potential as a quarterback and he's got tons of weapons now. And, um, as much as I like there are other, you know, Elijah Moore, I do think Garrett Wilson has a chance to emerge as, as the number one receiver there. You know, Corey Davis is a good player, but he's clearly, um, going to be more of the, the veteran kind of steady mm-hmm. presence at this point. And, and, and no one else, you know, I think Barrios and Mins are probably not going to get many snaps at this point. So, um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't hate the landing spot, uh, for Wilson and I, and I like the player a lot. Well, this is, this is definitely that point in the draft. Like you said, you know, take your guy. I mean, you could probably throw five or six of these receivers into a hat and pick one out or, you know, whatever, whatever analogy you want to use. I mean, people are, people are going to have their own uh, favorites here. You mentioned Williams. Uh, we talked, we're starting to talk about Olave. These guys went, so, so Wilson went, uh, six in our draft and then Christian Watson went seventh. So the green Bay finally took a receiver highly. It wasn't in the first round, but it was close enough and they traded up to get him. Um, I mean, this is all about opportunity. I think playing with Aaron Rodgers. I have not seen any, any tape on this guy. So like I have not sat down to, to look at this, but if I was, if I was sitting there making this pick and this was, I was looking at, this was your pick, but you traded it. Uh, I don't know if, like who you would have taken here. Would you have, would you have taken a Christian Watson or would would you have uh, gone maybe with with Williams or Olave? Yeah, I mean, I probably would have gone with Olave myself. Um, but I I, I commend the um, courage of that pick because <laughs> like there is a lot of groupthink in the uh, in the fantasy community. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, absolutely. I, like I I think that uh, Christian Watson is the kind of receiver that i like i mean he's big he's 6'4 208 pounds um you know i did watch some tape of him and uh you know he played at a small school north dakota state but um he he has all the physical attributes that you would look for uh his workout metrics were all really really great um 
and he's going to get to play with Aaron Rodgers on it in a situation where, uh, you know, they are severely lacking in uh, pass catchers. So um, I feel like he's like the ultimate upside pick. I, I think he's a, a little risky. I mean, I, you know, the draft capital thing, like, I mean, they did draft him relatively early, but he wasn't a first round pick. And I do think that makes some difference in terms of contract and investment. You know, I think it's just psychologically easier to justify like not, you know, moving on from or not starting a player when they weren't a first round pick. Um, and even though he was almost a first round pick, just the, those couple pick difference, like can make a difference. Um, so I do think there's some risk in his profile um, being, you know, the small school unproven against top competition, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. but the upside to me is as high as it is for just about anyone in the class. So um, it's a bold pick, but I don't, I don't hate it. It's not the one I'd make, but I, I don't hate it. Yeah. I wouldn't make it either. Like if I was looking at, and again, like I said, I haven't, haven't seen his tape going to a small school, uh, North Dakota state. I'm looking at his stats. Like, Last year was his best season where he had 800 yards and seven touchdowns. Now, I don't know what kind of offense North Dakota State runs. Maybe they run the ball a ton. Um, but, like, I would expect a guy like him, if he's, you know, tearing it up in that in that division, to maybe, you know, pop off, you know, some, some better stats. Maybe have 11 or 1,200 yards and double-digit touchdowns at least. But he didn't have that in any season. He played four years. Um, now, his, his looks like his freshman year, he didn't, he didn't uh, play a whole lot. So he, he developed he developed a little bit later. He's a big guy, like you said. Uh, he's about to turn 23 uh, here uh, in about 10 days. So, you know, these are all things that would probably keep me from from drafting him this highly. I would probably, you know, I would look at him toward the end of the, uh, of the first round. But I think I would, like, another pick that came a little bit later, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but Sky Moore rounded out, and I'm jumping ahead, like I said. But, like, to, to get to play with Patrick Mahomes... Um, I, I, looking at his, his stats, I'd probably, I don't know, maybe take him ahead of Christian Watson. Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I, I just, to me, Sky Moore, I don't know. People always chase these chiefs, but like, you know, they both have great landing spots, but I just, I think Watson is, he's the, he's like fits the bill of a potential alpha X receiver, number one guy. And Sky Moore definitely does not. In my opinion, I think. Like watching Sky Moore's tape, I'm just like he looks small, <laughs> you know. Like yeah, he's five ten. Yeah, I mean he looks yeah. really small, and that's not to say he can't be a decent player. But like his comparable on uh, player profile is Golden Tate, and that sounds about right to me. Like uh, you know, like that Golden Tate had a great career. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but like he's not. I, I don't know. When I'm picking in the first round of a dynasty rookie draft, I want a guy who can really become a every week wide receiver one kind of a player, you know? And I just, I don't really see that with Sky Moore. So to me, he's more of like a borderline first round, uh, maybe early second round pick. Yeah. And so like, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think I would have, I would, I would uh, tend to go with one of the guys probably from the bigger schools with the higher draft capital, like Jamison Williams, like Chris Olave. Um, th- those guys were taken ahead of Sky Moore, but just talking about, the Christian Watson pick. I think in our in our league that was that was definitely the first surprise. We were talking about how picks one through six were, you know, pretty vanilla, pretty you know we ex- we expected it, but then when Christian Watson came off the board, it was like, whoa, okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah, but as I said, like at least he sh- at least that pick is like shooting for upside. You know what I mean? Like I feel like with Sky Moore, there's just not as much upside. So like I'd have more of a problem 
with taking Sky Moore at one seven than I would it with Christian Watson. Like that pick might blow up in his face, but at least it there's the potential that it ends up being a great pick. Yeah, I, I guess I could see I could see it either way. I mean, when I look at guys from like so Sky Moore is a Western Michigan guy, and then I mean, which is a little bit bigger, I guess, program than North Dakota State. I guess you could even say they're kind of comparable, even though they're in different divisions and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I kind of look at them similar because they're they're going to play with good quarterbacks in the short term. Uh, I don't know how many more years Aaron Rodgers is going to stick around. So hopefully Sky Moore gets a few more uh, years with Mahomes there, who's on a much longer deal, is younger. So um, the, we can agree to disagree here. I, I, I would go Sky Moore over Christian Watson, but we could we could do a little gentleman's bet maybe for, uh, I don't know how you would do it for Dynasty, but we could even do it for year one if you'd like. Well, again, I'm not, I'm not, my, 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 position is not that Christian Watson has a better than 50% chance of putting up better numbers in year one than Sky Moore. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I think Christian Watson has far more upside than Sky Moore, and that's why I would rather take him. I would rather take the chance on a true difference maker than a guy who I think, you know, is probably tops out as like a DJ Moore kind of a player, you know, which it's still great, but it's just not, I'd rather go for a DK Metcalf than a DJ Moore. Well, and yeah, I mean, and that's why, like, for Jamison Williams, I mean, we, we've kind of, I know I've been jumping around. I said I would stick to the script here and go in order, but here I am breaking the rules again. <laughs> uh, you know, Jamison Williams going to the Lions, you know, they they uh, they have a receiving core where they've they brought back some, they, they signed, uh, I think they signed Josh Reynolds this offseason to a cheap deal, which actually looked pretty good now. Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, had a little mini breakout last year. Uh, they brought in DJ Chark. Uh, they still have Quintus Sivas, Khalif Raymond on the roster. So they have like an okay young core, but there's plenty of room, obviously, for Jamison Williams to to go in there and be, you know, like the next alpha receiver there. And looking at his numbers, you know, for Alabama, he had over 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns last year. Um, and he, he ended up having, was he, was he, I can't, I can never remember between him and Mechie, but because they both got hurt. I can't remember which one got hurt, like in the college football playoffs, but I know that they both are coming off coming off injuries yeah matchy's coming off the more serious injury the acl um yeah but yeah i'm yeah i mean i like jameson williams but i there are some people that love jameson williams and i mean he's 99th percentile at the combine for 40 yard dash i mean he's so fast you understand why he scored 15 touchdowns (laughs) for alabama because in college you have a lot of (laughs) suspect cornerbacks that he can run right past you know what i mean that's not going <laughs> to be safeties <laughs> yeah that's not going to be the case in the in the pros quite as much so i'm yeah to me he's i don't know i don't really see a huge difference between um him and christian watson in the sense that they both feel kind of boomer bust to me a little bit and i know some people would would disagree with that uh, i mean i would still take jamison williams ahead of christian watson for the simple reason that he got the better draft capital um and was the more productive player at a bigger program. So I get that, but um, I don't know. I, I feel like Jamison Williams to me is like, he needs to be in the right system. He needs to be in the right situation to like take advantage of his skill set. Because I, I get a little worried, like, you know, we've seen guys like John Ross and Henry Ruggs who are like super speedsters go to the wrong place where they're not, where, where they can't figure out how to unlock their talent. And I think Jameson yep. Williams is a better player than those guys. But those guys also went 
very early in the draft. Like the teams that drafted them thought they were getting a, a stud and they ended up getting a dud, you know? So uh, he's just a little more volatile to me. Like, I don't think he's quite as polished as maybe some of the other receivers in the class. His comparable uh, on prayer, player profiler is Will Fuller, which sounds about right to me because it's kind of like if <laughs> Will Fuller, when he was like in a great situation with Deshaun Watson, was like putting up wide receiver one numbers, you know. But <laughs> we've also seen, I mean, granted, he's had a ton of injuries, but um, we've also just seen kind of inconsistency, I think, from Will Fuller. And I, I think that could be an issue with Jameson Williams as well. Yeah, Will Fuller needed PEDs to have that that big season too, didn't he? <laughs> we haven't we haven't seen him healthy since. Yeah, it's still without a team right now, I believe. Will for Will Fuller he should go back still and available. play with Deshaun and with the Browns. That would be that would be fun. Yeah, you know you can kind of connect the dots there, right? You would think by now they might have tried to make a deal with Fuller. Yeah. Um, we'll so let's see where where are we here? Well, so uh, so we had uh, Garrett Wilson at one six, Christian Watson yep. at one seven. Jamison Williams went one eight, and then to me this was an even bigger surprise than the Christian Watson <laughs> pick was Malik Willis going one nine, uh, and I know the guy who took him really needs quarterback badly. So yeah, um, in that sense, I guess I can kind of see it. But if I I would have tried to find some other solution at quarterback, um, whether it's trading for a veteran or moving up to get Pickett. But I mean Malik Willis, he's he's got tons of upside, but he might not start uh, for two or three years or more. I mean, Ryan Tannehill <laughs> right. is still a really good football player, and he's not that old. I mean, he's what is Tannehill like thirty three or something like that? I mean, yeah, he's he's thirty. Like in this yep. age of quarterbacks, like I mean, he could play another five years easy. So, uh, yep. and I don't think they're gonna just move on from Tannehill if. Uh, if he's still producing, I mean, I guess they did just move on from AJ Brown. So anything's possible, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like Willis is a very developmental prospect. He's got a ton of upside. That's exciting, but um, it, it's one of those things where, I mean, they didn't, they did not have to spend heavily to get him. So uh, they don't owe, they don't really owe him anything in terms of opportunity. And if he doesn't earn it, like he'll never get on the field. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like like you said, this person needed quarterback help, like in Superflex, totally get it. Um, why not take a shot? Like Malik Willis was coming in, it turned out to be a lot of smoke, but a lot of people thought he was going to be a first rounder. I, I think I'd heard about half the teams had a first round grade on him. Of course, not all those teams needed a quarterback, so it doesn't really matter. So there's only a handful of teams that really were going to look at drafting him anyway. But yeah, Tannehill is on. Uh, I think he's got. He's got a couple years left on his on his contract. They could the Titans could get out of it after this year. Um, just looking at at Spotrac like for like the potential out after like the in, in between the 22, 23 season. Plus, I mean, think about what we've seen with guys like Wentz and Matt Ryan and some of the trades that happen. I mean, it's very possible that we could see Malik Willis next year and Ryan Tannehill gets traded to somewhere. So um, that's that's certainly a possibility. Um, but yeah, we could also see Malik Willis never hit the field. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's not any good. Yeah, so, I just I, I don't know. It's risky sort of like, in the first round. Well, and I just in this draft I traded Kellen Mond, and all I got was a fourth round pick because at this point it was he's he's buried behind Kirk Cousins and he doesn't look ready to play. I mean, they've had to bring in Sean Mannion to be the backup because they don't trust Kellen Mond to, to have to play if Kirk <laughs> Cousins got hurt. And 
I mean, you could see a similar scenario play out with the Titans too. I mean, it's there's nothing when you when you spend a first round pick, there's going to be pressure to play the guy. When you spend a third round pick, there's no there's no such pressure, you know. So um, yeah. if he doesn't earn it by impressing and developing as a quarterback, I mean, he played at a, a very uh, small school, you know, didn't play against great competition, so he's got all the physical attributes, but uh, he really probably still needs to learn the craft of being a quarterback, certainly at the NFL level. So um, yeah. I just think that's, I don't know. It's a risky pick. It's one that could dry up and, and not be worth anything. Was Kellen Mond the guy when Mike Zimmer was asked about him? You know, yeah. if he wanted to get him in, he was like, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it. He didn't want to play him. Yeah, so. well, yeah, Kellen Mond, seen he, he outlasted Zimmer at, in Minnesota, at least. He did. That's true. He sure did. <laughs> he got he the last him. laugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So the next pick was Alave at 110, which I think is yeah. pretty good value at this point. I mean, to get... I agree. I have him as my sixth overall player. So I think getting him... And I didn't think I was particularly high on Alave, but I just have him ahead of Pickett and then uh, and ahead of Jamison Williams. And then you have guys like Christian Watson and Willis that, that popped into the draft. So, um, yeah. I mean, I just... Alave, to me... And, and this isn't a hot take. I think this is what the consensus view is on him. I feel like he's a very polished product, a pretty safe bet to be a top 36 wide receiver um, in fantasy, um, which is good. You know, I just don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the upside is. I'm I'm not sure. Like in college, he did break some big plays, but they were all kind of like, you know, busted coverage or like, you know, deep down the field, wide open. He's fast and he got the touchdown. But I don't think that that's, going to be available to him really um much in the pros i think he's more going to have to rely on the fact that he's um a skilled route runner and uh just kind of a well-rounded well-polished player so um yeah that's kind of where i'm at with him i feel like uh in 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 new orleans like you know i like Jameis winston and i think that there's room for the saints to um even though sean payton's gone now they they've kept um their offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael and um I think there's room for them to lean a little more heavily on the pass this year with Michael Thomas back and now adding Alave um and then the questions I guess around Kamara but um that's a topic for another time but I I think that um (laughs) I think they could pass a little more play a little less uh conservatively this season and that would be good for uh, Alave um because I feel like he's a guy that can kind of make an impact from day one yeah we've 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 uh, seen Jameis sling it before. Uh, at least back when he was in Tampa, he did a lot. But I, I could see, I could see him having a having a good season. I could see Alave. I like, I like this landing spot. Like I mentioned, more than the Jets. I know that Dynasty's a a long game, uh, so you can't just you need to look at the talent. But when we're talking, I also don't want to make uh, you know anyone listen thinking that I'm really poo pooing on that. Uh, what was it <laughs> the uh, Christian Watson pick? Because I agree with you that like. You know, in this first round, like if if you ha- if this is the guy you like, like shoot your shot, take him. He's not going to be there in the second round or whenever your next pick is, probably. But personally, I feel a lot better in this first round taking these guys from Ohio State, from Alabama, just because we've seen it more before. And so, while you might hit, and maybe it's like kind of a fifty-fifty shot with you know a guy like Watson, um, yeah, I just feel a little bit better about taking an Olave. Um, taking a, a Williams or a Garrett Wilson, just and some of that's just because I've seen it before. And even with the next guy, George Pickens, who came off the board, like you know, I watched Georgia a couple times too. Like these are 
these are all like high profile guys for big schools, whether it's SEC or Big Ten or whatever. And George Pickens, uh, he's got a little bit of, I don't know, I think maybe there were some character issues that people were afraid of uh, there with him. And, uh, you know, he obviously came off the injury, but then he looked pretty good. And Pickens is a guy out of Georgia. It kind of makes you think about Heinz Ward, you know, a little re- replacement years later, bringing in a Georgia guy, a receiver. And Pickens is a guy who apparently is a really good blocker. I'm sure Pittsburgh likes that, not just a great, you know, route runner receiver. So I think Pickens is a nice pick here at uh, the 11th pick in our draft as well. I, I like Pickens there. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because you've been talking a lot about like um, actual production at the college level, and Pickens didn't have that much. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. he missed a lot of time. Um, I think to me, he and Christian Watson go hand in hand because they're both guys that I see as having a lot of upside. Like I, I like the frame, like the the physical build of these guys. I and I think that they, um, you. They're the kind of players that I think like NFL decision makers look at them and they're like, oh, I can be the one who unlocks this guy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and I because like neither of them put up huge numbers in college, but they're both guys that have a ton of natural ability and talent. So, um, you know, I I think that it's interesting because Pickens, (laughs) he might be kind of comparable to Chase Claypool, who the Steelers already have on their roster. (laughs) I mean, because he's another volatile kind of. Um, physical specimen who's a little bit unpredictable in terms of his um, off the field, uh, you know, or on the field, I guess you could say uh, attitude. And then also just his production is kind of fluctuates a lot. So um, I think these are volatile guys, but, um, but because of the upside, I I don't have a problem taking pickings. I just, you know, I would prefer, I think I would prefer Watson because Watson gets to go and get catch passes from Aaron Rodgers as opposed to Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. Yep, absolutely. Well, the next the next pick on the board, well, actually, before we move on, uh, I mean, I will just say with Pickens, I mean, again, it goes back to kind of the big school, small school stuff for me is it's, it's tough to look past. I mean, yes, you're right about the production. Uh, Pickens was like a big time recruit. He had a good freshman year, and then he kind of had some injuries and some you know stuff like that. So you're right when you look at his stats, the, the production wasn't there, but I think people see the potential, and you know he's a freak athlete, all that stuff. So if he if he had done nothing at North Dakota State, I'm not to say that Watson did nothing, but then I would be a little bit like more leery of it. So I guess that's just it's just it's probably the big school bias. Just we've seen me. a lot that's, of great receivers come from small schools, though. You know, Randy Moss, Antonio yeah. Brown. Devontae sure. Adams, you know, the list goes on and on. So, yeah, I, I, I yeah. you know, because the other thing, the flip side of that is when they play at a big school, they're surrounded by primo talent. So they have they tend to have a great quarterback throwing them the ball, a great offensive line, creating the time for them to get downfield and get open. Um, and it's so it's kind of like, I don't know, in a way, it might be easier to produce in, in those situations, you know, especially I know everyone loves the SEC, but there's still some <laughs> there's still some cakewalk matchups there. I mean, and uh, <laughs> you know, I think just generally speaking, most of the stud athletes. I, I forget someone was making this point recently, but this you know the, the the stud athletes in college play wide receiver, not cornerback. You know, so the the wide receivers are almost always faster than the corners, and that leads to a lot of blown coverages and big plays. So yeah. I I don't over I don't want to overrate college production. I think that. Um, to me, draft capital and um, you know 
physical metrics and things like that matter a lot too. Um, there are some guys I think are underrated because they, of their college production, like a David Bell, for example, like who we'll get to a little bit later. Like I think, you know, you don't want to overlook guys who just always seem to produce because because there's value to that too. But I think in terms of um, the big school, small school thing, it's probably not the top of the list for me. Yeah. Well, you mentioned draft capital, so we did mention Sky Moore a little bit. He rounded out our first round. He was a he was a round two pick for Kansas City, so the number fifty four pick overall. Uh, you know. I don't know if I don't know how big of a school Western Michigan is, but I'm gonna call it a small school just in the realm of like these big conferences. Is but you're you're from up that way, so I don't know. Is Western you know if Western I Michigan? To, is I like, went to Michigan for well, college, you yeah. yeah. I guess I'm, you lived there for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know they have a decent program. We used to play them uh, at the beginning of the season a lot. Um, right. Yeah. No, they're a decent. They're a decent program. But uh, you know we've already talked about Sky more a bit. I just think yeah. it's funny that like. Any, you know, how many times are we going to do this with Kansas City players? I mean, they just always seem to get that bump in in drafts because they go to Kansas City. And how often does it work out? I mean, people got burned on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. They got burned on Mikael Hardman. They got, mm-hmm. you know, um, who else? Uh, Sammy Watkins, <laughs> you know, like people got <laughs> burned on him. Uh, it's just sort of, I don't know. It's kind of like Patrick Mahomes is awesome. Travis Kelsey's awesome. Tyreek Hill was awesome. But... Uh, you know, they have other options to throw the ball to. They don't. So I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to overrate the Kansas city thing. I think it's, uh, it's kind of a dangerous game. Yeah. And I mean, especially we're talking dynasty today. So um, it'll be interesting to see in redraft. I'm sure sky Moore will go pretty high in redraft for that reason. Right. People are going to look at him and have that connection. Same with Watson, but um, they both went first round in our, in our dynasty league. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. They both kind of were more like second round players and maybe that kind of drew people in even to taking them in the first round is like just looking at that immediate team landing spot quarterback. Right. Well, and even, and even from a redraft perspective, I think I prefer Watson over, over more because I mean, Watson just has what Alan Lazard to compete with. I mean, yeah, you know, Sky Moore is going to have to compete with Juju Smith, Schuster, Nicole Hardman and Marquez Valdez Scantling, not to mention Travis Kelsey. So, uh, there's plenty of players for Patrick Mahomes to throw the ball to, even with Tyreek Hill no longer around. Yep. All right. So that's that's the first round. We are we are now we're waiting on our what eleventh uh, pick in the second round. So we've gotten through most of the second yeah, round. Ten, so maybe ten we can, more picks to discuss here. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's. You want to keep going and get into the round two a little bit? Sure. So the first pick of round two was Rashad White, uh, running back, uh, taken by the Buccaneers, and. You know, I um, I think he's a good player. Um, I don't. He's not. He wouldn't have been the the next running back I personally would have taken. Um, but uh, you know, you, you're gonna have to be a little patient with him because they have Leonard Fournette around, and he's probably. I don't know. The the Bucks are weird. They're kind of in a weird situation <laughs> now because you know Bruce Arians stepped down, um, and. That, you know Brady we don't know how long this this show is going to go on for you know what I mean so eventually yeah. this team could have to do some kind of a rebuild um but until then I mean they're going to be a great offense the question is will Rashad White ever be the starting running back with Tom Brady under center I don't know if that's I don't know if those stars are going to align you know um right but this is a guy that he he has a uh every down skill set I think he is a little bit older he's 23 um you know he was he didn't go until the third round of the draft so third round running backs 
I mean, they can be great. They can be nothing, you know. Um, I would guess he's not going to see the field a ton as a rookie. So it's more, you, you, yeah, I think you have to be a little more patient with him. Yeah, I had multiple uh, running backs I would have taken over him personally. Um, and, and one we'll get to in a bit because I was, well, I'll just go ahead and mention him now. James Cook <laughs> for Buffalo. I was I was debating him because I had the next pick up there at 2.02. And I was sitting there looking at at James Cook because I actually have uh, Devin Singletary on my team, and I'm looking at, at Buffalo drafting Cook and his talent. You know, brother of Dalvin Cook, um, and he's he was a he was a big time recruit, great player, and you know they're he they can use him in the passing game. I also have Gabriel Davis uh, on my dynasty team, so part of looking at Cook, I'm like. How many how many bills do I really want on my team? Now the bills are a high powered offense, and I know again dynasty looking at the long game, but I don't know that 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 was part of my decision, but part of my decision too. And we'll, I'll just go ahead and lay it out there with my two dot two. It was I went with Desmond Ritter, and I couldn't. How could you pass up back to back Falcons? Right? I mean they're just this juggernaut offense that. Uh, <laughs> I mean I don't know. I looked at I looked at Ritter, and again these are guys who are not first round picks. So you're right. Like we we've talked about this kind of outside of the podcast, and you know if you're not you're not investing a first round pick in a guy. I mean, what we've seen in, in recent years with guys like Justin Herbert and some of these guys who aren't like the number one overall pick, but they get they still get are like a top ten pick, right? It, we're not talking about that here. We're talking about Ritter was. Let's see, what was he the overall? Did he go in the third round? Seventy six or something. Seventy six. Maybe that was when Willis went. Um, it was right around there in the seventies. Seventy four. Yeah, so I mean, just this is a guy where I mean, Mariota is probably going to be the starter week one. Um, Ritter's a guy who I think could come in at some point and play this year because I don't expect the Falcons to win many games. But that's also a negative in dynasty because like if the Falcons only win three or four games, <laughs> you could see them right back in a much better draft class next year and take a quarterback with one of the top picks. So this is a bit of a gamble. Um, but with the QBs that I have, you know, Justin Fields. I, you know, I like a lot for Dynasty. I have him. But then I'm looking at Daniel Jones, who, you know, has a starting gig, but that's, you know, oof, I don't know. <laughs> and then I have Baker Mayfield, who there's some smoke about him going to Seattle, but for right now, he's still disgruntled and in Cleveland. And uh, I think I have, like, Andy Dalton or someone as, like, a backup. But in any event, I basically have I have a need for quarterback. And so I thought, let me take a shot. Um I didn't go with Cook, who you ended up drafting a couple spots later and making a trade up for. Yeah. So maybe you can talk. You can talk about Ritter. You can talk about Cook. Go for it. Well, I'll talk about both of them then. Why not? Uh, go for it. As far as Ritter goes, I mean, the the one thing I do like about him is I do think he's got um, some rushing upside. Um, yep. So if he can get that chance to start, uh, he we've seen this over and over again in the NFL, like running quarterbacks, like put up. QB one numbers, even when they're not that good, you know, exactly. Like, yeah. So if, if he gets that chance and I think he will, I don't think that highly of Marcus Mariota. Um, and I, I know that the, you know, the Falcons, I think they'll probably be a bad team this year. So uh, this concern for me is that they're going to be picking early next year and then they'll take a quarterback. If you know, there's going to be some great quarterbacks in next year's class. And I think if they're picking in a position where they can get them and it won't be that expensive to them, like where they won't have to trade up like 15 spots and give Mm -hmm. up like two future first round picks or something, you know, like (laughs) if they can just sit where they are in the draft and get one of those top quarterbacks next year, I think that's going to be 
really hard for them to resist. So that's the risk, I think, with Ritter. But um, I do think he'll play this year for that reason. I mean, I think they, they're going to want to see what they have in him before they get into that situation. And especially if, as I think will happen, they fall out of contention pretty quickly. Um, they just won't have much reason to stick with Mariota, and they'll want to see what Ritter can do before they make a decision next year. I mean, every once in a while you do get the situation like with the Texans with Davis Mills where he shows enough that they decide to give him another year. So mm-hmm. I think that's what you're kind of hoping with a, with a guy like Ritter is that he gets yep. in, he does pretty well. They decide um, for whatever reason that they're not going to take a quarterback in the at early first round next season. Um and you just play it back another year, and he gets another year to prove that he can be the guy. Um, but that's what he's going to have to do. It's a tall order. It's very hard to be successful as a quarterback in this league. And when teams don't spend a first-round pick on a player, they just don't feel any loyalty uh, or any um, any uh, pressure to um, stick with them if they uh, don't immediately prove that they that they deserve it. So right, that's yeah. The give me a date. Give me a Davis Mills with wheels, baby. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but but Cook, I'm I love Cook, and I was thrilled to get him. At, uh, it ended up being pick two five, um, mm-hmm. and the reason that I love Cook is because uh, now now people play in different leagues. You know, in Dynasty, I think I don't know this for sure, but I think Dynasty tends to lean more towards PPR uh, than mm-hmm. than um, standard as opposed to redraft leagues, but which are more kind of fifty fifty maybe. Um, and we're half, right? We're half PPR in this league, exactly. But yep. um, either way, I mean, even if you get half a point for PPR, I think uh, that helps a guy like James Cook a lot um, because mm-hmm. he is going to – he's pretty clearly the best pass-catching running back in this class. Um, one of the better pass-catching running backs we've seen um, in recent years. Uh, but but that's that to me gives him the floor. But I also feel like he has the upside because I – you know – I think it's funny, you know, I feel like people um, are actually doing a little bit of a disservice to James Cook by saying, but because of Dalvin Cook, because I think everyone's yeah. like comparing him to Dalvin Cook and they're like, oh, he's not Dalvin Cook. And it's like, okay, well, who is Dalvin Cook? Christian McCaffrey? I mean, like, there's not a <laughs> lot of guys that are Dalvin Cook, you know what I mean? But he actually does look a lot like Dalvin Cook when he's running um uh, you know on the field and he has broken off a lot of big runs through the middle of the line mm-hmm. i mean i think he runs with the same ferociousness as dalvin cook he is smaller but um i i don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility that he could just add 10 or 15 pounds uh and then how different is he really than dalvin cook you know i mean like right i just i, I think like he's getting a little bit typecast as like this third down back and i don't think that's really true. I think he, I think the Bills are going to be creative about getting him the ball as a pass catcher, but I also think that there's a lot of opportunity for him to earn a role as a rusher. I mean, that, you know, no offense to Devin Singletary, but I just don't think he's the kind of player that they're, that they're building around long term. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for James Cook. Yeah, there is. And we saw Zach Moss really fall off a cliff last year. Um, and Devin Singletary is only signed through this season. So he's at the end of his four-year rookie deal right now. So, yeah, I mean, that's I always like to look at that. I mentioned it with Ken Walker. It's like you're 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 getting a guy who might be fine this year, but in addition to that, obviously for Dynasty, this is this is someone who could just like break out like next like as as early as next year. I guess as early as this year, but he could really just like take a stranglehold of that job. 
uh, from 2023 and beyond just due to the contract situation because Devin Singletary will be somewhere else next year. Yeah. Like he's a he's a Chase Edmonds type who like had an okay career one place but like Buffalo's not going to re-sign him to some big deal. They're going to they're a Super Bowl contender. They're not bringing back a piece like him and signing him to some big contract. Right. No way. Right. Yeah, and no you know the other thing is like the Bills, I mean, this is just a grade A offense. And I know that mm-hmm. it's been disappointing in terms of their running back production up to this point, but I don't think that's necessarily going to remain the case. I mean, Josh Allen, like, is he really going to, you know, call his own number that much at the goal line his whole career? Because, I mean, that's just increasing his risk for injury. And as he gets older, he's just going to take more. There's going to be more wear and tear from playing that way. So mm-hmm. I could see them wanting to, like, you know, go more Rain traditional <laughs> at the goal line than just yeah. uh, QB sneaks all the time. And then also, like, I think that they they clearly, because they spent pretty high draft capital on him, I mean, he, uh, I think that they want to design plays for him. So it's not like mm-hmm. – because I'm generally a person that doesn't like – you know, third down backs. Like, I, like I'm not like I never understood like the Tariq Cohen love for some. You know, for example, because I'm <laughs> right. like I just didn't see any upside for him to ever be more than just a pass catching specialist. Um, mm-hmm. But when the but when there's these guys that are initially known primarily for their pass catching ability, but also have rushing ability, that leads to the ultimate upside. You know, because that's like yep. if you think about the best running backs in today's game, it's guys like Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Alvin Kamara, um, Austin Eckler, you know, guys who were initially known primarily as pass catchers, but proved that they can also run the ball extremely effectively. And that's then they become these complete superstars. So, like, I'm not saying that James Cook is going to be those guys. They're, they're very rare, but I at least think he has the type of profile that could, in a ideal situation, get there. Yeah, the Tariq Cohens of the world. You remember guys like Danny Woodhead and some of these really, you know, small guys. They did have some really good seasons where they, they hit some big plays. They found the end zone. They were top fifteen or even twenty, or you know, like a top fifteen or twenty PPR running back. They maybe even had like I think Woodhead even had a couple of those uh, seasons just off the top of my head. But like, yeah, they're never going to be that dynasty back who can, like you said, he puts on a few pounds. He could end up being that three down back. Uh, for Buffalo, and I think it could happen as soon as next year. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good pick. I, I I considered it right there. So we'll see how it all Kudos works to out. You. <laughs> Thank you. We will. So, but um, there was actually another running back that went before Cook as well, besides Rashad White, and that was um, Spiller. Yeah, uh, who went at the two three. Yeah, and you know, before the draft, he was. I feel like he was like kind of maybe the third or fourth running back that I was seeing in a lot of mocks. So. I saw him, you know, when was it Rashad White went off the board? I thought, man, Isaiah Spiller. But Spiller's landing spot, you know, with the Chargers, they used uh, looks like a round four pick, so all the way down at pick one twenty three. So on the on the running back from Texas A and M, so he he fell quite a bit. Um, I don't have in front of me what number running back he was. I think it was like he the was, eighth running back or something. Yeah, so it was. I mean, I knew there were tons off the board, but you know, if you looked at like some of the mocks and what people looked at, what he was pre draft. And where he landed, I mean, it, there could be worse spots. I mean, the Chargers are a good offense. Um, Austin Eckler, you know, he's he's dealt with some injuries. I don't I don't know what his contract looks like. I can pull it up. I think they have him for a couple more years. Um, they don't have a whole lot behind him. You know, they they had Joshua Kelly, who I think is still there. Justin Jackson's a fine veteran, but like, I don't know. Those guys aren't like just 
breaking down the door and they're not taking Eckler's job. And I, I think there's a, there's a spot for Spiller to, to fit in there um, and be kind of the number two, or at least just a really good, you know, backup who could take, take control of the backfield. If in fact Eckler gets hurt. Yeah. I'm kind of going back and forth on this one a little bit. Cause I'm one of those people that has been chasing the second running back for uh, the chargers for a <laughs> while, because right. I do feel like that is a position that can have some fantasy value. Uh, because Austin Eckler, as good as he is, is not a bell cow. I mean, he he's just not built for it. Like it's the same thing with Kamara. You know what I mean? Like these guys, there's always the compliment with with the Saints. Mm-hmm. It was you know Latavius Murray or uh, Mark Ingram. Yeah, Mark Ingram exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. with the Chargers, they've never really found that guy, but they want to. They clearly want to because they keep spending draft capital on on these running backs. And uh, yeah, it didn't work out Joshua with Joshua Kelly. Kelly. It didn't work out with Larry Roundtree. So the question is, like, yeah. will it work out with Isaiah Spiller? And maybe. I mean, there was a time. You know, you you brought up what how he was viewed coming into the draft. I mean, by even by then, his stock in fantasy circles had already dropped a lot. Because if you flash back to, like, you know, months and months ago, like, there was a time where people thought Spiller was going to be the number one running back in this class ahead of Brees really? Hall. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So. By the time we got closer to the draft, I think the way people were looking at Spiller was more like um, he's like he has a three down skill set. He just doesn't excel anywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think like a lot of people were envisioning him ending up with like I don't know, like the Texans or something, and being like this like three down back who doesn't really flash, but just kind of gets by on volume and ends up putting up like mid to low end RB two numbers just based on that. So like that would have been the ideal landing spot for Spiller, like Atlanta or Houston, something like that. Yep. But that's where David Pierce ended up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who went later we'll get in this to round. Him. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, but instead the chargers, I don't think that's like the worst situation because you're like you said, Eckler does have a little bit of injury history. And then just, I think there is room for another guy um, in that rotation besides Eckler. There always is. And, they rotated back and forth between Justin Jackson and those other two young guys. But I'm pretty sure based on, even though this wasn't super high draft capital, like Spiller has a pretty good opportunity to take that, take that job. Cause there's just none of those other guys really took it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. even it's, it's an open, it's an open door for him if he can just uh, earn it. So I, I don't, I don't mind picking him early second round for that reason. Yep. Um, so that's Spiller. Uh, let's see. D- uh, David Bell went 2.4 uh, in our league. And he's someone who I saw on, uh, I think it was Matt Harmon's reception perception. Uh, I think he liked him a lot. Uh, he landed in Cleveland. And that's, a, I mean, that's a that's an okay spot. Like, Landry's not there. Obviously, they got Amari Cooper in the offseason. Well, Landry might um, be there. There's rumors. He might be. There's rumors that yeah. they're going to bring him back. I, I actually saw was- something today about that. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, and honestly, like, that would be fine. Like, Landry's get, getting up there in age, so, like, that doesn't worry me too much for Dynasty. Like, I just think, like, Donovan Peoples-Jones, he looked okay at times last year. I think Rashard Higgins is now in Carolina, so he's gone. Um, you know, Amari Cooper, obviously, kind of the number one there. And, and having Deshaun Watson locked up with that guaranteed contract, still, we'll still see, like, what happens to him this year if he gets suspended for part of the season or whatnot. But long-term... Uh, you know, you want a guy in a good situation with a good quarterback, and uh, Bell did that. And I think, you know, Cooper is not young anymore either. So I think if you're looking at dynasty, you know, we're talking about dynasty here. I think Bell is in an okay landing spot. I kind of like Cleveland there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you say, Browns fan? Well, I'm. <laughs> I love the pick as a Browns fan. I think he. I, yeah. Like, I'm a big fan of of David Bell and being a Michigan fan. I did get to watch him play a decent amount while he was at Purdue, and uh, he's just he's just one of these guys that like you know these these players in college that just seem like they're already pros. You know, like they just know what they're doing like they, they don't make mistakes and they they just go out there and produce and that's what this guy yeah. did he went out there year year after year and produced and saved his best for um that last last season you know putting up uh th- over 1300 yards from scrimmage so um yeah i mean i think i think he would be the logical uh jarvis landry type you know player profilers comparable for him is anquan bolden so I'd take that, right? I mean, Anquan Bolden <laughs> was never known for his like blazing speed or anything like that, nope. but he was a physical receiver and he knew how to run routes and get open and he was a constant producer, you know. So, um yeah, and and I do think looking at it long term, like being tied to Deshaun Watson who's still only 26 years old is a great situation. I mean, I just feel mm-hmm. like David Bell, even if he's never a wide receiver one in fantasy, I feel like he has a pretty good shot to emerge as a wide receiver two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if I were a Browns fan, I'd be happy there as well. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned, I said, I think I said David Pierce, uh, Damian Pierce is what I meant to say for the running back out of Florida. Um, I don't know. Well, I'd be jumping ahead if I were talking about him, so I can I can hang on. Yeah, let's hold on. Let's let's talk to an, about another guy first. Who so David Bell went at two four, James Cook at two five, and then mm-hmm. another guy who fell uh, more than he has in a lot of mock drafts that I've seen was Jahan Dotson, who fell all the way to the two six. Yeah, uh, I think generally he's a guy that's going at the end of the first in superflex uh, rookie drafts. Um, yeah. And certainly in in one QB uh, rookie drafts, he's still going to go around that point, I think, because it's just (laughs) it's not a QB heavy class this year. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, Dotson is the last of these first round rookie receivers, the last guy that got first round draft capital. Um, He goes to the commanders at pick 16. And I don't know, I'm a little lower on him. Uh, the consensus, I think, but I even I would say that that's a pretty good value at two six. Like I, I wanted Cook. I needed running back, so and I really like Cook. So for me, it was clear I was going to take Cook at two five. But I think Cook, I think Dotson at two six is pretty good value. I mean, this guy is a very explosive playmaker. Yeah, it's it's definitely good value. Like you said, all the like pretty much all the mocks I was seeing had him in the first round, even even before the draft, after the draft. I mean, I think we had just recorded a baseball podcast and we were kind of watching some of the draft in the background and he was picked and, you know, I, I've been, I've been a Washington fan for a while. My fandom is kind of waning as I do more fantasy and I just like kind of root for fantasy more than I do my actual team. (laughs) Um, Plus Washington makes it hard to root for. But my first thought was Josh Doxson. (laughs) And I was like, they're drafting another guy with like almost the same name who was a first round bust. And uh, who knows? Maybe it's name association. Maybe people are remembering Josh Doxson, and they're like, <laughs> or they're remembering no. Carson Wentz. Yeah, they're remembering that. <laughs> the, the thing is, sometimes you look at a, an organization and you're like, their track record just isn't great with picking. Like, I mean, if Bill Belichick took a receiver in the first round, would you trust it? Hey, well, I'd, Terry McLaurin has worked out pretty well. He, that's true. He has. But like, you know what I mean? Like, if 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 Belichick took a first rounder and it wasn't some obscure guard out of like. Like, I don't know, wherever he's from, <laughs> then, uh, 
I don't know. You kind of I would question a receiver because some some organizations, some coaches like, have that track record as just not being that good with selecting certain positions. So that's part of the bias for me. I think watching a lot of Washington, seeing a lot of drafts. I'm just trying to think. You're right. McLaurin was a good pick, but. Gosh, I don't know. I can't think of one before that. Well, <laughs> I just, I mean, I have concerns about the long term direction of of the Washington franchise. Uh, I just, yeah, I don't know <laughs> if they're, I don't know if they're going to make the most of Dotson's talent. And I, I feel like he's a kind of player that's a little hard to maximize the value of too, because he's he's not very big, you know, five eleven, one seventy eight. I mean, he's the lightest um, receiver in that you would that you would place in that top 10 um mm-hmm. even you know he makes he, he's even lighter than sky Moore. i mean sky Moore's shorter than him but um <laughs> but yeah i don't know i i feel like this is another guy that's like if he hits he's kind of like in that dj Moore mold which there's nothing wrong with that but that's if he hits you know he doesn't have that elite upside so to me that's why i'm a little lower on him but um i think the fact that he has the first round draft capital um and as much as Carson Wentz is like infuriating to watch, like he's not afraid to make throws into tight coverage. Like it's it's not actually terrible news for the receivers, that, you know, when he makes these these aggressive throws. It tends to be terrible news for the team, but um, the receivers can still put up their numbers, you know, sort of like when Jameis Winston uh, had the thirty touchdown, thirty interception season. You know, it's like <laughs> that that was fine for the wide receivers. So. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I, I, I think Dotson still, he belongs in that late first. I think he's a, he's kind of like Alave in the sense that he's like a decently safe floor prospect. Um, I don't know how much upside he really has though. Yeah. So then the next receiver, the next player taken was, uh, Alec Pierce. And we're, we're starting to get, you know, as we get into the second, third round, we're not in the third round yet, but. I, this is where I'm really having to start to look up like, all right, where'd this guy go to school, you know, <laughs> and, and this and that, because I didn't realize that he played with Ritter at, uh, at Cincinnati. So I think he is stepping into, you know, a situation where Michael Pittman clearly uh, with the Colts made himself known as that alpha receiver. They have Matt Ryan over there now, which I think is an upgrade from Carson Wentz, even though I don't think it's a huge upgrade, but I do think it's an upgrade. Um, like Matt Ryan, he doesn't have a big arm, but he's at least like competent and isn't, I don't know. I, I like Matt Ryan just fine for fantasy purposes for a receiver. Uh, so like, um, he won't be there long term, but I do think Alec Pierce is going into a position where he can play right away. He could, he could do well. T Y Hilton, the latest I heard on him. I mean, like, I think he's still a free agent. I don't think they've brought him back. So don't know if they will or not. Um, I think this is a fine pick in the middle rounds, but I don't know if it's one that I would make here. Where did he go in our draft? Um, uh, let's see. It was at uh, two dot seven. Yeah, yeah, two seven. I mean, there's there's guys. You know, Mechie just got picked later. I probably would have gone him yep. for the, some of the reasons that I I said before. He he was a good value falling falling later after a couple running backs. We'll talk about here in a minute. But we're getting close to the end here of our uh, where we are in our draft. But I mean, do you have any thoughts on Alec Pierce? Well, I mean, he played at a huge, a major program that had a ton of success while he was there. Uh, he didn't put up like huge numbers um, no. in college, but he he did catch eight touchdown passes last season, which sort of catches my eye. Uh, I mean, this guy's six three, two oh eight, so he's got a pretty big frame. Like he could be a red zone kind of a guy, um, which would be good. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he can become like 
maybe the dream is he becomes like a Adam Thielen type or something. I mean, he has actually really good agility, uh, or not agility, but speed um, and burst. So, like, he rated pretty highly at the combine for those things. But uh, I, I feel like this is a guy that's more, you know, uh, I think he was more drafted on potential maybe than on actual production. Um, so. Yeah. That makes it a little dicier to say exactly what what he's going to be, um, but you know, pretty good draft capital. I just the Colts are a team. I just I don't really like investing in their passing game generally. I mean, Michael Pittman clearly has turned out well, but um, I feel like they've had a lot of other receivers that have disappointed, and um, maybe you know I don't know. We'll see with Matt Ryan. I I do agree he's an upgrade over. Carson Wentz but like that's not saying much you know I I think like Matt Ryan to me looked like a quarterback who was uh in steep decline the last year or two so uh well we'll see when we look at when we look at draft capital like we've been talking about that a lot he was the first pick for the Colts he was their round two pick but he was their first pick in this draft so um I'm sure the Colts have some other needs uh they do have a good offensive line they have a solid defense but I'm sure they could use some other other positions so I do like that they liked him enough to take him with their first pick. I always like that. Their next pick was a tight end. Uh, we won't talk about him today. Maybe we'll talk about him in the next show. But they took Jelani Woods at a UVA to pair with Mo Alley Cox. Oh, you just so talked about two, him. I know. <laughs> got two Virginia two two Virginia boys there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, had to talk about him. Yeah. But yeah, we'll talk. Maybe we can talk about him again next show if he's our deep guy. Yeah. I don't really have a problem with Pierce going uh, in in the second round. I just I, I agree. Yeah. I would rather have Mechie, uh, maybe even one or two other wide receivers. Um, but there's another Pierce I would definitely prefer, which is a running back, and that's Damian Pierce, who mm-hmm. you you alluded to earlier. Um, I mean, you want to talk about like plug and play kind of options, and I think at running back, that's a lot of what you're looking for. I mean. At the top of the first round, you might get these like studs who can just, you know, be all around superstars. But for the most part, with running back, it's a lot of it is about volume. A lot of it's about opportunity. And I, you know, watching Damian Pierce's tape uh, from Florida, I wasn't like overly impressed. I mean, he just kind of he got what was blocked and and all of that. But um, it's just a it's a good situation. I mean, just it going is. to Houston like that depth chart is just barren. You know what I mean? So they brought in Marlon Mack, man. He's the number one running back right there now. Yeah. How long is he <laughs> going to stay healthy for? <laughs> no, I know it's, it's him. It's Rex Burkhead. Uh, I don't know if Royce Freeman's still under contract, but it doesn't matter. Like Damian Pierce has the ability to be the RB one for Houston for whatever that means this year. It's nice to get that opportunity right away because who knows, maybe he does do really well and, and just, he could be a running back for you you know, for a few years, even if it's like just with the Texans. So yeah, I, I like this pick here. Yeah. And his comparable on player profiler is Chris Carson. So that makes me even more excited. Oh yeah. You know, our I guy. Some Chris Carson. And I hope he, Chris Carson with he a healthy well neck. Soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, early fourth round pick for Pierce, it's a little later than you might like, but uh, certainly we've seen fourth round running backs uh, produce. And I don't really know what the Texans, are trying to do long-term exactly, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I just think there's a lot of opportunity there, which is appealing. Um, there's also a lot of opportunity for the next guy that was picked in our draft, um, which is, uh, Algier, uh, with the Falcons and yeah, Tyler Algier. Yeah. I mean, that's the other, the other obvious, um, situation where there's a lot of, uh, 
potential opportunity for for um, volume. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I mean, Cordero Patterson has been very good. He's been a revelation, honestly, <laughs> but he's not a traditional running back. I mean, he's a wide receiver playing running back, uh, which is obviously going to limit his volume. Um, so there's room for another guy to get involved there. And it seems like Algier, I, I mean, if I said, you know, Pierce didn't wow me on tape, but he still like looked significantly more impressive to me than Algier. It's Algier is kind of like another step down to me, but um, it is a good, it is a good landing spot for him. Yeah. 23 rushing touchdowns last year. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. BYU. (laughs) It's kind of a crazy offense, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just to see that, like just even if he's a guy who in year one, when the, when the Falcons are getting down into the, into the red zone, maybe he can get some touchdowns because Mike Davis is gone. Um, but yeah, Cordero Patterson. I tell you what, I hope I will always remember twenty twenty one as that year of Cordero Patterson. I thought he was like the story of last season, and I, I always we still give a guy in one of my like my main home league that we've been doing for like twenty years. We still give him a hard time because he drafted Cordero Patterson last year in like either the last or second to last round, and now. Cordero Patterson went undrafted in most leagues last year, but he actually drafted him. But before the season even started, he dropped him <laughs> for like, you know, probably a defense or who knows, yeah. whatever. And yeah, week week one or two, he was trying to pick him up and someone else did. And he's, we just give him such a hard time about it. But it's like, who knew that that season would happen? But I, I just, love, just love that season from Cordero Patterson. That reminds Great me of the story. story I always tell about my first year doing fantasy when Kurt Warner threw for 300 yards in week one. And I was like, nah, I don't need to pick him up. That was a fluke. <laughs> <laughs> fluke. Yeah. But right. Algier, you know, I mean, a couple words of warning. He was a fifth round pick. So we're getting later here in terms of draft yeah. capital. And also his comparable at player profiler is Zach Moss, which kind of tells you Ooh. what kind of player you're looking at athletically. I don't, I don't think there's a ton of uh, burst when it comes to Algier. So we'll have to see. Yeah, so the last pick that we have currently, we're still waiting on on a pick here. And there's plenty of hours to go, but maybe we'll get one tonight. But yeah, John Mechie, uh, he's the other the other Alabama uh, wide receiver. So he went to Houston. They used a, let's see, round two pick on him. So pick number 44. So, you know, he's a, he's a guy coming off, I believe, a torn ACL. But, I mean, you know, he's young. Let's get that torn ACL out of the way and get healthy and could have a very, very good career. Um, he had, you know, in 2020, he had 900 yards, six touchdowns, 1100 yards, eight touchdowns. So he's, you know, coming out of a program like Alabama, we've seen tons of good Alabama receivers at the end of the second round. Like I would have taken him next. I have a, I have a pick coming up here in like three or four picks. He was definitely next in my queue. I don't know about you. Um, yeah, I, yeah, no, I agree. I think he's, uh, there's a lot of upside with him. Um, he's not huge, you know, he's 5'11", 189, so. Um, for that reason, I guess the upside is relative, but, um, but I think he's a, yeah, I mean, I think he's a very talented receiver from a major program, um, with a good rec- track record of production. And, and he sounds like he's, uh, you know, healed from that ACL at this point. And, uh, you know, in the, in modern medicine, um, guys come back from ACLs all the time. So I don't think that's really a long-term concern for him really uh so yeah i i think he's a, a very good value this late you know in the second round yeah and i like him as like i like him as short term or long term you know and long term i should say not or um because i mean brandon cooks is the only other really established uh 
receiver there. And Davis Mills, I think, looked pretty pretty good last year. When you talk about some like late rookie quarterbacks, like he, I think he did fine. And I think they have. I'm just don't sleep up on my Cooks. boy Nico Collins, man. I'm gonna sleep on him. <laughs> Nico's good. You'll see. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, there's opportunity there. We'll say that. You know, and Brandon Cooks. Houston like, is the land of opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Cooks signed a two-year, like $40 million contract, it looks like. So yeah. they've got him for a couple more years. Um, but that's, you know, he's, let's see, how old is he? He's 28. He's going to turn 29 this year. This is, these are, this is his last contract in Houston for sure. Wouldn't even be, I, I would imagine he could even be, the way we've seen Cooks traded throughout his career, maybe we'll see him be part of a deal you know, this year and next year and be out of Houston, you know, mm-hmm. be some, be, be on a contender somewhere. So I think, I think, I think Mechie has a good opportunity, uh, short and long, long term. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that covers, uh, the first 22 picks in our <laughs> dynasty rookie draft, uh, super flex rookie draft that is ongoing of, uh, fantasy writers, uh, past and present. Um, we may do a second show, uh, in the next week or two, uh, on this draft to discuss maybe some of the deeper names uh, in the dynasty uh, draft. Uh, you know, these these drafts go five rounds, so we're less than halfway through, <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of other names to consider uh, for your dynasty drafts. But uh, in the meantime, you can check out our uh, our website, rosrankings.com. Uh, right now, we're just putting up baseball content there we've got rest of season fantasy baseball rankings if you're into that sort of thing uh we will uh be ramping up our football coverage there though starting uh most likely in july uh you can follow me on twitter at andrew underscore Seifter. and you can follow me on twitter at barton wheeler we appreciate everyone listening to the podcast if you like the show please follow subscribe rate and review we are out of here we gone You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.